Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Well, good morning. Good morning. We're live on the podcast. Yeah, we've got we've yeah. got somebody sitting in for uh, Pastor David today, who's uh, fifty today. Fifty, the and big five zero, big five zero, and they're at the coast enjoying some time away. So, and he he might be surfing as we speak. Maybe I don't, I don't know what the weather's like over. I don't there. know. Here it's raining and overcast, yeah. which I might be weird, but I love when it gets rainy and overcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something about it. I don't know. Love the smell yeah. and the the feel of it and all that. It doesn't happen very often, yeah. it seems like, these days. So, so yeah, so we're, we're only two-thirds of a decent pastor today in David's absence. But one one decent missionary. Yes, so you, one, you can, one you decent can, missionary. You can introduce <laughs> her since... Yeah, so we have a guest on the podcast, uh, Kathy Vaughn. And uh, Kathy and I have known each other my whole life, pretty much. Um, you grew up with my mom. And your dad. Yeah. And your dad was a class ahead of me, and yeah. your mom a class behind me in yeah. school. So yeah. yep. in, in Prineville, actually? In, in, Prineville, in Prineville, Oregon. Oh, wow. So yeah. you're, you're a native Prinevillian, too, or I don't know what you call it. Pretty them. much, yeah. since yeah. I was 10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so we go back a ways, and uh, I'm friends with all your kids, but uh, your oldest son, Kevin, is one of my closest friends in the world. And So anyway, we, we go back a little ways. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe to make some connections here at the door, so so you know uh, Anna Kelly, uh, who is formerly Anna Miller, whose parents are Glenn and Stacy Miller. Yes, Anna so, came over yeah. uh, when she was a young girl just out of high school and spent three one- months with me serving in my orphanage, in, which was in Kampala at that time. So, wow. yes, I know Anna, and I just met Glenn this morning. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of fortuitous. So yeah. we were walking, sitting out there. They were finishing the men's Bible word, study. Fortuitous. I like it. Yeah, yeah. got to throw in a big. I, I use it once in a while too. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I mentioned that we have uh, you know a friend of Chad's who's a missionary, and he said Kathy, and it's like he said he'd never yeah. met you, but you got to meet in the parking lot. So. Yes, yeah, yeah we they did. don't even know of each other for a while, but yeah, got to meet in person today. Yeah. yeah. Facebook friends, you know? Right. Everybody's Facebook friends. Right. Yep. <laughs> well, we're glad that you uh, could join us today and looking forward to hearing about you and your story and your ministry and all that kind of stuff. So, Thanks for inviting me. I, I love the chance to share yeah. what God's doing because it's amazing. Yeah. Well, maybe just to dive right into things, um, I, I have some questions for you just about kind of how you came to do what you're doing, but maybe you could give us the just the Reader's Digest version of what you do right now. Okay. What, what, what is your ministry? Okay. Um, I formerly had a, an orphanage, and I had many women who would bring chil- their children to my gate and ask me to t- take the children because they couldn't afford to feed them. So I uh, realized that something needed to be done to help these women take care of their own children to keep them out of an orphanage. So... Uh, I work with women. I have three Ugandan partners, uh, and working with women is pretty broad, but uh, we do micro-enterprise loans, train them a little bit in business and do micro-enterprise loans. And then once they're in that program with us, uh, they just become part of our bundle, and we we help them uh, in lots of different ways. Uh, 
uh, we do a lot of medical work. I'm a nurse, and um, we especially assist people with uh, medical needs that they can't that they would just ignore otherwise. We help we we facilitate a lot of surgeries and that sort of thing. Um, we, one of the best ways for women to support themselves in Uganda is through agriculture, and that was proved during COVID when everyone else went broke, and the other the other we've we've started hundreds of women in with small loans, and almost every one of them lost everything during our really severe COVID lockdown. Yeah. When you talk about but, small loans, like what what's a small loan? A uh, micro well, our, loan. Our, Smallest one was about $15, and it made all the difference. She's still at the roadside uh, making milk tea at night and selling G-nuts and sending her granddaughter to school. Um, and a larger loan might be up to about $200, and uh, we, they pay it back over 20 weeks uh, while we work with them. Many of them then get a second loan to kind of boost their business. And then we also... Uh, purchased land for a farm uh, just about COVID time. Our first harvest came during COVID, and we weren't allowed to go harvest it because it was across the border of our district. But um, we are tr reaching into the community. We do a lot of uh, community community outreaches. Uh, just, yes, just yesterday I heard from our <coughs> team there, they did a tippy-tap uh, outreach where they Li they literally helped the women in the slum where we have our Bible study to build um, uh, little little taps that they can made from sticks and string and and a jug so they can wash their hands when they when they use the restroom. Mm. And we we distribute uh, reusable sanitary pads and mama kits for safe and healthy deliveries. We teach nutrition and. Uh, a lot of different medical things and sanitation. How long have you been doing this, by the way? Thirteen years. Thirteen years. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh, did maybe did did we say this is in Uganda? She we said. said oh. that, she said she had Ugandan friends. So. Yeah. You, oh, Ugandan okay. friends. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Make sure people are clear where what part of the world we're talking about. I live in Jinja, Uganda, uh, on the shores near the shores of Lake Victoria, about a mile from where the Nile River flows out. So if you come see me, you can go see the source of the Nile River. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, what, what got you into it? Like, I want to talk about that for a second. So you said you've been doing this for 13 years. What were you doing before, and what, what got you into doing what you're doing now? Wow. There's a cool story here. Big question. <laughs> um, I was previously... Uh, a pastor's wife in Primeville, and uh, when I was about 50 years old, um, I found myself suddenly and unexpectedly single. Um, my husband left, and uh, I'd been a housewife. <laughs> I'd raised five kids, and uh, had loved serving as a pastor's wife and wasn't sure what the next steps were, but I realized that I, I still wanted to serve the Lord and that I needed some healing before I could do that. So I just kept asking the Lord to, uh, to, for healing and t 
to be able to extend forgiveness and uh, and told him I, I wanted to serve again and ask him to show me how what that would be and uh, I actually thought that maybe he was leading me in one direction where uh, I I would be uh, helping pastor's wives who'd gone through the same situation I had gone through. And one night uh, in 2003, I was, uh, uh, it'd been a couple of years since my husband left, and I was in a Sunday night service in a church in Bend. They were sharing, the high school youth were, were sharing um, about their their Mexico trip where they had helped to build a house. And then the, the youth pastor spoke, and he said something that had nothing to do with <laughs> anything else mm-hmm. that they had said. And he said that by 2008, there would be 20 million AIDS orphans in Africa. And I thought I was aware and up on the AIDS crisis, but that number just, it just struck me and I just I just said 20 million children who will care for the children and a few times in my life I have heard God speak to me and he spoke to me very clearly in that moment and he said you could (laughs) and that was the end of the service and I could not wait for the final prayer and I stood up and walked over to the side and walked out the the side with my face towards the wall so nobody would (laughs) speak to me. And I went out and I sat in my car and I just cried and cried because I knew that God had called me to Africa. And I knew that um, he had given me what he wanted me to do. (laughs) So the next morning I called uh, Central Oregon Community College, asked about the nurses program because I thought uh, 20 million AIDS orphans, I... I should have some medical training. And they did everything they could to discourage me and said Mm. it would take six years to get into the program minimum (coughs) and said, why don't you become a dental technician? And I said, no, thanks. I'm going to be a nurse. (laughs) And then that story of how God made that happen was just amazing. So you you went back to school in your 50s. Mm-hmm. I did. And became a nurse and yeah, went I into did the mission field. Yep, I did my prereqs, and I started nursing school at 56. Did your friends and family all think you were crazy? You know, <laughs> at first, uh, it was easier to tell them I was going to school to become a nurse than to tell them why. Right. And so that was, but, yeah, they and they said, where in Africa are you going to go? And I said, I have no idea, but I think when it's time, God's big enough to tell me where he wants me. Yeah. And so, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a cool story. What um, what, what encouragement will you give, would you give to people who are thinking about the mission field, just kind of given your story? Maybe even nervous about, like they kind of feel like God's maybe nudging mm-hmm. them. We've got a, there's a young lady in our church is already saying, I think God's nudging me that way, but... Well, so, I'd love so to unknowns. talk to her. <laughs> I bet you would. I, um, the ultimate encouragement is there is nothing in the world like following Jesus. I, I, I love 
the old Stephen Curtis Chapman song about diving in, the life, the great adventure. Because when you say yes to whatever Jesus is calling you to, you have no idea what's ahead. But if you are going through it with him, uh, you are as hard as it gets. If you know that you're there with him, that is what sustains you. That's what encourages you. Um, Missionaries are nobody special. And missionaries will tell you that all the time. I grew up hearing that when I was a kid, and I just still had them up on a pedestal and just went, yeah, <laughs> missionaries are special. They're, uh, you know, they're spiritually, they're a cut above everybody else and obedience-wise and everything. And uh, where I live in Jinja, there's a large community of missionaries, and they are my friends. I go to church with some of them. I, so we sometimes serve together, and I can tell you, they are no one special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are just people who said yes to what they thought God was calling them to do. And if it seems impossible, it, it seemed, I mean, it was pretty impossible for me when yeah. I was in my 50s. I didn't have the education that I needed. I had no mission board. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. And God just really clearly, clearly led and provided every step of the way. Even though I, when he said, even the country that I, I went to, it was, I didn't initiate anything. God just kept opening doors. Mm-hmm. And um, if you think that God might be calling you, um, God's heart is a missional heart. He, his desire is that uh, no one would perish but that all would come to the knowledge of God, and that's what he left us here for when he saved us. Amen. And, and um, he, he probably is calling a lot of people who are not saying yes. Right. Say yes to <laughs> God, and you will, never, I, you will never regret it. It might be hard. It yeah. might be, seem impossible. But I've got a weird God question for you, it. but I'm curious. I have this theory. Mm-hmm. So, so in the States, um, I see churches all the time who they have this desire to experience God. And so we try to drum up kind of this emotional buzz or, you know, I mean, some churches are dropping glitter and feathers from the sky and they're, they're dancing and they're trying to, you know, they want to experience God. So we're trying to create an emotional kind of connection to God. And, but I, I think largely because of the way we've structured things in, in America, we don't need God. We're kind of like the church of Laodicea in Revelation that, that we think we're rich, and he's standing outside the church knocking and saying, hey, do you guys need me for anything? And we're like, no, nope, we're good. We don't need you, and yet we want to experience him. So when you went over to the mission field, uh, compared to you know your, your life in America and then you know as a missionary, did your experience of God, this, this, did it change? That's such a great question because I, used, I haven't said it for a while, but I used to say it all the time. I said I would never trade what I do the choice I made because I get to experience God every day in a way that I never did in America. And I come home excited. I want to tell people about it So, because you see God at work. You see him at work around you and you see him at work in your own life and you just see God. If you want to experience God. You're kind of forced to trust God (laughs) by the nature of what you're doing. And if if you want to experience it, even here in America, come on a short-term mission trip and just see what God does. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, I, it, it, it seems to me like this is the answer. It's like we don't, we don't want 
things in America to change. We don't want persecution to come. We don't want to, you know, things to get tough. But it seems like those are the times when we have to rely on God and when he becomes more real to us. And so, you know, I understand why we don't like, I don't know, you, you probably see the difference if you're, you know, at the church in Africa and the church in America yeah. right now. I don't, I don't know if you're encouraged, discouraged, <laughs> what you're seeing exactly, but um, it's got to be a marked difference, I would think, between the two. There is. And there's a lot, uh, there's a lot about the Church of Africa that needs to change. Yeah. Uh, mostly that they just, more biblical, solid, doctrinal teaching. Because there's a lot of uh, people that are in it for the money and for other right. power and other reasons, the pastors. But the, the lives of the people there, their lives are so difficult that they need God. Mm. And when they need God, he shows up. Right. And they see it, and they are, they're, they're joyful, and they believe. Their faith is amazing because they see God at work, and they believe in the power of God. And they're, and they're not ashamed. Yeah. In fact, mm. um, we work with a pastor in Kenya, and he travels to Somalia, and he's been uh, twice where, where he's been in bombings twice. He wasn't targeted, but he was there. It's a very, very dangerous place to share Jesus. You can kill anyone who com- converts from Islam to Christianity. And when I tell him I'm praying for his pre- protection, he says, pray that we will be bold and courageous. It sounds like Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. My prayers are different than Paul's prayers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, mine too. And I, yeah. and I do try, I mean, I try to pray more that way. And I, pr- you know, that's, that's a prayer for the American church too. What would you, yeah. like if you could have a message for the American Christians that we need to hear, kind of, what would be on your heart? God is bigger than you think he is, and he's more interested in your everyday life than you think he is, and he is worth everything that he would ever ask you to do. And what he's asking you to do is to be part of his plan that's been on his heart since, he, since before eternity, to, that people would come to the knowledge of God, that they would understand Jesus and his sacrifice for them as Savior, and that he wants people to be born into his kingdom, and he wants us to be a part of it. Isn't that weird that he, that yeah. he wants us? He doesn't need us to do it. Right. And yet the, the means that he's given is that we get to participate with our Father in the work that he's doing. What a privilege. It's, yeah. And then, we, and then we don't. It's like you just go to work, you know, with, with, your, with your dad day, and we're like, no, nah, I'll just stay home. I don't want to go. Oh, yeah. I love that. Isn't that weird? <laughs> go, I mean, why wouldn't we go to work with Dad? Can you imagine Day, your I little kid it. saying, "Nah, I'll just stay home and watch TV." He's like, "No, go to work. You want right. to go to work with your father, and we get to." Yeah, yeah. I love that. My yeah. my grandson is thirteen, and he loves going to work with his dad. His dad was working for someone where he couldn't do that. Started his own business just over a year ago, and he loves going to work with his dad. I just think that's, yeah. Yeah. I go to. I I love. I love uh, go to work at Dad Day. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this kind of makes me think of something too uh, about you. So, so you you have five kids. Uh huh. And how, how many grandkids? Nineteen. Nineteen and, and great grandkids now too, right? <laughs> One great grandson. One. So, like you're yeah. you're in your prime grandma years, and you're in Africa. Uh. Like there, there there's a level of sacrifice that's involved with what you're doing. 
uh, th- that's very real, but but you're looking at the better thing. And I remember this was quite a few years ago, uh, talking to Kevin in, in his living room one day, and I don't know if he got this from you, but kind of his perspective on that very thing was that, you know, like, like you know, I, I don't know if everybody in your family is a believer, but I know that, you know, there's a lot of faith in your family. And, you know, Kevin made a comment one day, he's like, I'm, I'm going to get to spend eternity with my mom. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we're missing out on some years now, but we're going to spend eternity together. No, I, I, I <laughs> haven't all, heard that. We're, we're all crying <laughs> there, right now. You're making me teary. <laughs> right. But like, what a cool, I, what a cool perspective. That, that is really great. And my son, Matt, said something else. I, I thought I was going to be the grandma that had the grandma camps and sure. be at all the kids' sports activities. And, I mean, I, I've always loved kids, and I love my grandkids. And someone introduced me a week or so ago and just, you know, talked about the hardships of living there and not having running water and electricity sometimes. And you know what? That's nothing. The hardest thing is not to be where my kid, my grandkids are growing up. Sure. But my son Matt said, Mom, you are giving your grandkids an amazing legacy Absolutely, that yeah. I, I pray that it impacts them. And my first grandson is going to Uganda with me to, to serve when I go back in September. So Wow, yeah. that's big. And, and, and I, haven't, I haven't seen Connor for a lot of years, but what I remember about Connor is he's the most introverted person I think I've ever met in my life. I don't know if he's still that way, but <laughs> like is. when he was a middle he, schooler, he was the most He is. He's, and, and he's going to hop on a plane and go to Africa he to struggles hang out with, with his grandma. It, <laughs> but he's wanted to go to Africa, which surprised me since he was 15. Hmm. Yeah. And it's going to happen, and um, I am excited. Yeah. I'm really excited for it, and I think he is too. Yeah. Well, I hope you get to take advantage of like Zoom and all these things to be able to connect with your family while you're over there. I don't know if that's, it's neat that God's given us technology to, um, so you don't completely feel like you're missing out on family when you're there. But, but man, that's what a sacrifice. I mean, that's, you know. But I, I have an amazing board. I will just mention that Chad is the chairman of my board of directors. Of <laughs> Shocking. He's the chairman of ministries. <laughs> Is there a board you're not a chairman of? I'm only uh, on two boards. I two boards. That's it. I, didn't know. I think it was Kevin who said, Mom, <laughs> talk to Chad. <laughs> so, but I have an amazing board, and they allow me to come home every summer. <clears throat> and I, and oh, nice. so that's a blessing at my age that I get to spend summers, you know, this summer I had graduations with grandkids. I had four graduations and a wedding and seven grandkids at the fair and a lot of baseball games. And so I'm, God blesses me. He, he just blesses me so much. Yeah. But I, I love your perspective that, you know, like the better thing is to follow God's call and that, that even though there is sacrifice involved, and I think this is true for every Christian, that there's a level of sacrifice involved in, in following Christ. But, but, but your perspective is that it's better to follow Christ than Amen. whatever the sacrifice is that's required of that. Amen. And, and, and not not every Christian is going to hop on a plane and go across the ocean. But like I think of I think it was Spurgeon that said every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And and you know you don't have to be hop on a plane to be a missionary. And maybe that's another Amen. conversation for another podcast. But but you did hop on a plane and uprooted your life. And you're engaging in some pretty difficult work at times, and we'll talk about that, you know, more too. Um, so I guess my my point is just like there there is a sacrifice, but Christ is better, yeah, than, than whatever you know, whatever it is that Amen. we would sacrifice in our pursuit of Him. Yep. Um, what what motivates you to continue? 
on the hard days? Have you, have you had now, days where you just thought, I'm just going to go back home? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I call them my bad Uganda days. And there's bad Uganda days all through the year. It's when you just see horrible injustice yeah. or <coughs> poverty you can't alleviate or people not being taken care of by the medical system that's supposed to take care of them or many, many Many things. And in fact, this last year was some of the most difficult things I've ever had to deal with. Um, and when I have too many bad Uganda days in a row, I just <laughs> I need to go home. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I, it's part of the package. And it's still that idea of you get to be uh, where you see God at work all the time. But <coughs> what motivates what motivates me most is that I want to be obedient. And I want to be where God wants me to be. And um, my daughter-in-law sometimes say, when are you going to come home? And I'm, I'm committed to stay for the rest of my life if that's what God calls me to. And if he tells me to come home, I'm, I'll be on the next plane because I want to live in obedience to him. I, it's the place of blessing wherever you are. Yeah. And, and if you did come home, I have no doubt that you would continue to be a missionary at home. I can think of so many <laughs> ways I'd love to help um, mobilize the church if I was home. I just, I mean, I would, I don't want to leave there, but if I was here, I'm not going to retire. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't see it in the Bible. Right. So not an imposter. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, before the podcast, you were you were talking about um, the martyr. Talk talk to us about tell us about that. What we were talking about downstairs a few minutes ago. Okay. Um, um, an amazing story of God. How God led me to connect with a tribe in Kenya through the Perspectives program. If I can put a plug in for that. I don't know if there's any going on in Central Oregon, but it's online. It's Perspectives on the World Christian Mission. And it is was one of the most impacting things that I have done as a mis- missionary or as a le- or, or that a layperson c- could do. But um, connected with a tribe and, a, and the, uh, the leader of the Christians in the tribe. And he... There are, when I first was studying them, there were four known Christians. When I met Pastor Bocha in 2017, there were 32, and now there's somewhere between two and 300 in a tribe of 80,000. And uh, they are in Kenya, uh, bordering Somalia, where Al Shabaab, the terrorist group, is based, and the Islamic terrorist group. And Al-Shabaab has been raiding frequently into Christians, in, into Kenya, looking for Christians. And um, two weeks ago today, Pastor Bocha contacted me and said that Al-Shabaab had targeted uh, one of the young men he led to the Lord and uh, caught him on his motorcycle and burned him to death. He leaves uh, a widow and four children, ages 16, 13, 10, and 5. And 
Pastor Bocha went out the next day to all the people, uh, all the all the people in his <coughs> in his church, and said and told them we must be very bold and courageous. <laughs> and then the, the following day, they uh, had the funeral, and Pastor Bocha said he couldn't even s- speak, but he had a friend of his preach the sermon, and he said he preached a very powerful gospel message to a lot of Muslim people. And so um, we're going to see what we can do to help support the widow. And we're going to pray that we, I am praying that God will use this as he has throughout history uh, to grow the church and to help the believers there be very bold and courageous. Yeah. This is the same guy that you referenced earlier that didn't ask for prayers for protection, but asked for prayers to be bold. Yes. I think if it were me, my prayer would be, don't let being burned on my motorcycle happen to me. Like that, that would be my prayer request, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but they're asking, you know, prayer that they can keep on keeping on, right? Keep on right. proclaiming Christ. Yes. They've got it figured out. Yeah. Jesus is worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I don't like this, the word success, because I think sometimes what God considers success is different than what we consider success. But for lack of a better term, what, what would you, what would you consider to be your biggest success and what you've been doing over these years or, or you maybe your, your biggest win, I don't know, however you want to think of that. That's, I've never, I've never thought about that question before but you know I think my biggest win before I went over was uh, raising five kids who love the Lord sure and for the first five years that I was over there I had an orphanage Uh, 22 excuse me 29 children came through our orphanage and 21 of those were adopted here in America. Wow. Um, Ten of them yeah. right here in Central Oregon. Yeah, and there's a population of African kids in Prineville that kind of stand out. But, <laughs> but everybody knows who they are and why they're there and, and their connections, which is pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And some of them are coming to visit me this yeah. fall and, ha- <laughs> wow. and have in the past. But um, uh, there are eight still. There were eight who, who weren't adopted. One of those passed away. But those children who came into my orphanage, they were older children, came into my orphanage from very difficult situations, a lot of them very damaged, and almost all of them are walking with the Lord. And that's, that's what you want yeah. as a, a mom. As they call me Jaja, which means grandma. As a mom, as a grandma, you want your family your family walking with the Lord. Is that, that is Babu the opposite? Is that, they used to call my wife's dad Babu. I don't know if that's... No, Baba is a different okay. language. Oh, it's just what Over mean, there, uh, Jaja means grandma or grandpa. Okay. So I don't know if oh, they're Jaja. calling me grandma or grandpa. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let's, let's hope for grandma. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I, I know the answer to this, but has it been worth it? It's worth it. It is worth it. Every holiday away from home, every um, every time I don't get to be with 
my family for special occasions. Every funeral I've missed of dear friends and family. Um, the hard times over there, the misunderstandings, the fighting with the government over paperwork that just would drive <laughs> you crazy, the, the beans and posho <laughs> that you eat, the monotonous diet, um, the, the loneliness, the um, misunderstanding, it's, it's all worth it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. Jesus is more than we can imagine. I'm looking forward to heaven someday, but I'm really, really glad that while I'm here, yeah. I get to do what God wants me to do. And I and the people of Uganda, I have wonderful, amazing friends, Ugandan friends, people that I work with, um, people that teach me about Jesus all the time. My experiences over there, they're, they've been hard, and we've kind of talked about that, but it's, it's, uh, it's exciting and wonderful to see God working over there and to learn from my brothers and sisters over there and and it's kind of a kind of, kind yeah. of a cool place to live too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what so, so I wanted to devote a little bit of time to talking about just some things that are going on over there and you've already shared some things but kind of just day to day, you know, what what's going on in your life in Uganda day to day and what's going on with the people over there. Okay. Um well, one of the great things about coming home this summer, I, we have had the farm since 2019, and it's not near where I live. Uh, we had to go f pretty far out to be able to afford the land, so it's about an hour and a half away. And I have struggled to, too many irons in the fire. <laughs> Because I have the day-to-day -day ministry with the women. And uh, just before I came home, we were finally able to hire a, a foreman for the farm, a farm manager, a young man named Joel. And, um, and as I was gone this time for the first time, I told you about all the outreaches that we have, and that's just a very regular different things all the time and that always goes on hold when I'm gone and they have continued to do outreaches on their own while I'm here so okay. that is what you're always working towards mm. is for them to be able to run things themselves um, and um, so I said we just did the tippy tap one and we and we're we're involved in farming God's way teaching our neighbors how to farm better because that's one of the best things that they they can do uh, I do a weekly Bible study in the slum uh, with it was women and then a man came one day wanted me to bless his child at the I told him I talked to him at the end and it, at the end uh, spent time with him and he accepted the Lord and he started coming so now we have men coming too uh, and we have the weekly Bible study we do a lot of I, I said the uh, medical work I have people come to my gate I've lived in Jinja long enough that a lot of people send other people to my gate uh, for medical treatment we sponsor a lot of kids in school and education um, and 
and and that involves quite a bit, uh, not just passing out money, but you're uh, involved in their lives. Um, we do the the mama kit outreaches uh, to to help women have healthy and safe deliveries. We um, we are are really trying to help people learn how to use what they have there for nutrition and and for uh, health benefits. Um, and so we're teaching about uh, the m medicinal plants, not, not we have the herbal quacks, there are a lot of Chinese <laughs> me me uh, medicine, but uh, learning what really can make a difference and teaching that. Um, um, actually, Chad, a lot of what we do is we go out into the village on, uh, you know, different days we do different things, but I will go to Ruth's house in the village in Nakabongo, and she'll have four or five people lined up for us to go visit during the day. And when we get to her house, there's always people waiting, and you deal with whatever issues are there. <laughs> and then we set out on a boda. Most of my transportation is on the back of a motorcycle, a boda. And we, and, or we walk, and we go, and we visit the people, and we deal with whatever needs they have that day. And that's a, that's a very typical day. Uh, we do that a few times a week. I'm kind of curious. Uh, so, in in the church in America right now, there there's some churches that are really all about kind of the social gospel. So they're they're doing things for people, practical things, but they're never really necessarily introducing them to Jesus. And there's other churches that are all about proclamation of the gospel, but they're really not doing anything to help people. And it sounds like you have a balance of both of those things, and maybe talk about the importance of of well, why both are important. I I've been in churches that that really emphasized. You know, if it's not preaching the gospel, it's not missionary work. But right. I look at Jesus' life, and he did both. And we do that. And and uh, when we do it, we sh I share the gospel so often over there. I share it one-on-one -on -one with people that come to my gate to get medicine. And I, sh I share it in groups all the time. When we do... Uh, any outreach. If we're teaching them how to make liquid soap, we gather 20 women at the farm and we actually sit there and do it, and then we preach the gospel. If we um, give out mama kits and we have 125 women come and we teach them some nutrition and then uh, give out the mama kits, we preach the gospel. And we see people come to Jesus all the time that way. If we have a, a, the neighbor guy to our farm come and he's so sick he can hardly walk and he needs help we, we his name there's a guy that is named David and he, an old bachelor and uh, could hardly walk because of neuropathy and was getting poor medicine I said let's try a different medicine tried that medicine and gave him food in the meantime um, he started to get better and um, came back to thank us that he was doing so much better. He got well enough that he could actually farm his own land again and feed himself again. But we, I, I just sat with him one day as he came to thank me and shared the gospel. And this 80-year-old man came into the kingdom 
That's mm-hmm. amazing. So <laughs> we share the gospel, and sometimes, often, I'm the one sharing. I work with a pastor and his wife, Ruth and James. One of them will share. Um, going to have teams come over this year. We're going to ask them to share. But yeah. we share yeah. the gospel. We share the gospel every week in big and small ways. It Ooh. seems like it should be so intuitive that we do both, both and, right. not either or, it's, because it really matters. And it's got to matter to them because it tells them you care, you love them. There's something different here. You're not doing it to get money. They have nothing to offer you. I mean, it's got to be such an obvious, you know. Actually, what I tell people so often there when, when we help them in some way, and they're, 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 they're very grateful people, very grateful and they will thank me, and I'll say, you need to know that that came from God because mm-hmm. God loved you so much that he touched the hearts of people in America, a half a world away, to give, and then he sent me so that this could come to you so that you would know mm-hmm. that he loves you yeah. so that you can hear mm-hmm. about Jesus. Wow. And... Uh, Many of them are coming out of either Islam or animism, both of which are have gods that are horrible. And yeah. when they hear about a God who loves them and they see it demonstrated, they respond to the love of God. Yeah. I just told God I didn't want to have to work with Muslims because I didn't know enough about the Muslim faith. I mean, that's the way I felt. Yeah. There's a lot of people who aren't Muslims over there. I, and and I, 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 I let God know that. And I found out I many that people that come to Jesus are Muslims, and I never talk about the Muslim faith. Hmm. I talk about a God who loved them and planned a way for them to be redeemed before he ever created the world. It's pretty powerful. It, yep. <laughs> when you talk about you know, wow. preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel, how, how, many, how many times do you stand at a pulpit and do that? I actually do occasionally. <laughs> yeah. But but normally but you're talking about one-on-one interactions. One-on-one. While you're making soap or while you're helping yeah, somebody. Yeah, or just under, out under a tree with groups, uh, with groups, but a lot, just one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. I do occasionally. Sure. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in Uganda, you have to, it says, uh, it tells us to be ready at all times to <laughs> give an answer. Yeah. I went to a. A women's conference. Women's Day over there is huge, and they have women's conferences. And I was invited to attend. And then I got I got there and um, said, "Who's the speaker today?" And Ruth said, "Oh, you are." And I said, "What?" Congratulations! <laughs> you forgot to tell me, but you learn that you just you can share. If the more you share about Jesus, the easier it gets. That's sure. That I would encourage people. You know, we we seem we we tend to overcomplicate evangelism so much. We 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 turn it into this weird thing, and it, it's. Sometimes it's just you're sitting down with somebody doing something and you just share about the Lord. It yeah. should be just a, a natural thing that comes out of us. If we know that God has been so good to us, yeah. can't we just tell somebody? Yeah. Amen. And the conversation <laughs> starts. Well, and, and if God's working, it, it goes somewhere. And if, if, if at the time he's not, you know, if, if, if the door shuts, it's pretty obvious. And then you just, okay, I tried to push the door and didn't, it didn't move. I, you move on, you know. But, but so many times he is working, and that's, it's exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. I'm thinking about while you're talking, I think about a guy years ago in a church that I was in who came up to me one time and told me that the reason that he gives to missions is so he doesn't have to go. 
and, and he's like, yeah, I, I give, you know, $100 to this one every year and $300 to that one, and, and I, don't, I don't ever have to get on a plane and go, and that's my part of it. And he was kind of overly proud of himself for that. <laughs> um, what, what would you say to that guy? Missions isn't just overseas. Missions, yeah. what, what is the mission field? Mission field is anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And we for sure have enough people like that around here, around us, everywhere, wherever we are. Yeah. Missions is everywhere, and we're all called to missions. And I wouldn't belittle those who, I mean, for uh, overseas missions, there have to be givers and yep. senders and prayers yep. and goers and mobilizers, all that. It's right. all part of it. But that doesn't absolve us from God's call for us to be the light, to, to share the light, to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who is sure. in heaven. Yeah. I think of the, the famous John Piper quote that says, there, there are the senders, there are the goers, and there are the disobedient. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah it's, uh, I, think, I can't remember the name of his book, but it has missions in the title, so you, you could probably find it. Okay. But, yeah, the senders, the goers, and the, and the disobedient. And, and you know, to your point, yeah, there are people that, that will never hop on a plane, and that's okay. Um, there are people that will give, and, and that's okay. It needs to happen. And there are people that, that will, you know, cross a street or cross an ocean. We, we all should do, you know, one or the other. Um, but, but I think it like, like this guy that I use as the example, like he, he was pretty dead set against like, oh, I'm never going to go do that. And, you know, given all that you've shared, like pe- people miss out, <laughs> they miss out on, on what, what God has for them. And, and, and if, if what you're saying is true, and I'm not questioning it, but just logically, if what you're saying is true, if, if, you know, the area that you're at in particular, um, you know, you tell people about Christ and they respond affirmatively to Christ, is that worth a plane ticket and a trip over? <laughs> wow. Yeah. To, to see people, you know, come to a knowledge of, of the Savior. That's mm-hmm. absolutely worth a plane ticket over for the possibility of that happening. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, obviously, missionaries need need money. We're kind of in the home stretch here. You, obviously, missionaries need need money and need financial support. Um, you know, that goes without saying. But what are, what are ways that churches can support somebody like you, aside from the financial piece of it, just because we all know that that need exists? But what other... What other ways can churches support people doing things like you're doing? Uh, one thing is just what you, you guys are doing today to give the opportunity for me to share what God's doing. Um, God stirs people's hearts when they hear what he's doing, and that's what we want to do. And when they stir people's hearts and they listen to him, he gets to tell them what to do. So. Yeah. Um, it's it's encouraging for me. It's really encouraging for me to get a letter, hmm. honestly, a card or something. I have a post office box, and I check it about once a month because I only get about two letters a year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it's not it, – and people say, you know, send packages. That's really expensive. But uh, I do hear from a lot of people on Facebook, and that's, you know, sending me messages – and. And uh, that kind of thing, that's encouraging. Um, anyone who chooses to join as a sponsor of s- anything, if you want to sponsor a family that's struggling or um, a child that's going to school, we have a lot of needs in that area. That encourages me so much when people make a, 
an ongoing commitment to say, I'm going to be involved in the ministry in, in these people's lives. And if you are, I promise you, I bring you letters. I love mm-hmm. to keep people connected uh, with the people that they're sponsoring. Um, and it's just encouraging to know that people are praying for you. I have two groups in Primeville. My mom's friends, and you know, an older generation, and they are my favorite groups to come and share with because I know that when I'm gone and they get together monthly, they pray for me every month. They take a little offering for me every month, you know. Um, it's when I come home, they have that, uh, you know, have that waiting for me, and they ask me about the people that I've shared with, you know. What happened here? How's this one doing? And just knowing that, cool. you know, I, I think one of the most encouraging things is when I come home, knowing that people want to hear what God's doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's no doubt people today that have been encouraged and inspired, including me, just by meeting you and, and hearing some of this stuff. If people wanted to um, support you or help you, or how could they get in touch with, with you? Or, or what are some of the practical needs maybe you have right now that, that somebody could help meet? Okay. Um, we hired a we hired a farm manager, and we don't have any support for his salary. We have kids that we are supporting to go through school, which is a huge, huge need over there. Uh, every kid has to pay to go to school, and the, the families just don't have the money, and the the parents will just sacrifice. But they have so many. Uganda has the highest birth rate in the world lots of kids in a family and they can't send their kids to school um we're putting in we're going to be putting in a well this year uh and it's partially funded we have um our farm there's a lot of projects on the farm we have we have a uh a dream plan and uh we want to put in an orchard and build a piggery and bring electricity, and uh, eventually have a clinic and a church. Did you say a piggery? I was going to say, I've never heard that word before either. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a word they use. There's lots of words they use a little differently. Yeah, we're yeah. going to raise pigs. Yep. Piggery. Uh, okay. It's a, it's a very good income producer for a family. Next yeah. time I talk to Kevin, I'm going to ask him how his piggery is going. Yeah, you yeah. Ask, him, <laughs> ask him that. So, uh, we, we, also, there, we have so many different projects going. We grow pigs and give them out to women, just give them out for, to start them in, in a project. Uh, we also have goats and give them out. We Is have goat, chickens and we got, eat they them. Eat, they eat goat there too, right? Yeah, they yeah. eat goats. I've heard that's the most eaten meat in the world. That's what I've heard of uh, more than once. We are a Bible school here in Oregon, in Keno, Oregon, raise money for me to go back and buy some milk goats. Oh. We always have babies, young kids that uh, are malnourished <coughs> that we're, we – we find them. People come to us knowing that with they just come to us with their problems. So um, we'll find a farmer with cow nearby and pay him a month at a time, and the family can walk there and get milk. Mm. But goat's milk is so much better, and we wouldn't have to pay them. And we on the farm we don't even have a nearby farmer, so we're gonna um, we're gonna learn how to milk goats. Do, do you have we, a goatery? We is that a thing? Yeah, I, maybe that's <laughs> what we have is a goatery. <laughs> By the piggery, <laughs> um, when I say we're going to learn to meet milk goats, that's that's you know the the um, 
the we doesn't really necessarily include me. <laughs> but yeah. I might. Yeah, never know. And we'll be able to <laughs> give out the milk to the to the malnourished kids and have it for our kids on the farm. Because it's yeah. our farmers are women mm. um, that live there. We've built three houses so far. And, and we need to build a, a boys' quarter for so that our farmer and our uh one of the boys i raised in the orphanage works for me there and they need to just have their own single rooms so we can have the house for one more woman there so there's lots of there's building needs there and um then we we constantly have people come to us with really serious medical needs it uh relatively speaking it's not expensive but you know it it might be several hundred dollars for a surgery, and so, um, and we're, we we work with we're working with people all the time in with surgeries. We like four this summer, so. Wow, lots of opportunities yeah. and and lots of needs. So, if, is there a, a agency that you they could send it through, or a church in Prineville, yes. or they just send it to us, or and uh, we get it to you? What's the easiest way? If to If you give? want to give it through a church, that's fine. Uh, we have. Um, I work for a mission agency, Redeemer Ministries, based in Primeville. As I said, Chad is our board chairman. Uh, you can send any contribution to Redeemer Ministries, Post Office Box 311, Primeville, Oregon, 97754. Maybe there's a huge benefactor listening that, that wants to fund it all. That would be amazing to yeah. see something like that happen. So you never know. Yeah. <laughs> it's out there on YouTube. Somebody could help. So there's, worth, there's lots to be done and, and we try to do it all for the honor of, and glory of yeah. God. That now that comes across very clearly. I, yeah. I, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we're about at time. Um, how can we pray specifically for you? I mean, we kind of have a sense of, you know, how to pray for the ministry just with everything you know, that you've shared, but what about you personally? Pray for my time with my grandson. I just feel like this could be a very pivotal time in his life. And he's going to, Connor, going back with me when I leave on September 5th, he's committed to six weeks and has left it kind of open-ended that he might stay longer. Um Pray for pray for my health. Uh, I still feel I feel as uh, I ask God to give me uh, ten years when I went in when I was fifty eight, and I just keep asking Him for ten more years <laughs> <laughs> because I feel as good. But I had kind of a rough year physically last year, just a lot of uh, some sicknesses and and injuries, and so um, I. I I would like ten more years. <laughs> so <laughs> pray for me to be to be healthy, and um, and I have several teams coming for the first time this year. Just pray that I will, in the busyness of all the people being there, that I don't lose my focus on yeah. um, my own time with the Lord and hmm. and. Uh, you know, just my personal walk. That's yeah. that's really important for me. If you're praying for me spiritually, that's probably number one. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think we, we've set a record on the podcast today for the most crying that's ever happened. Um, <laughs> well, not me. <laughs> I, cry every, I cry every week. That's not, you that's not do. I'm a crier. I don't ever cry, and I shed some tears yeah. today. So that, we, we, yeah. you said we set a record with that. I think we all cried at one point at the same time. So uh, anyway, we appreciate you coming on and sharing all this. And hopefully this will be something helpful that you can send out to others to get an idea of what you do and well, how thanks. to pray and how to help. Thank you for inviting me. This is I've never done a podcast before, yeah. but um, I you just did great. Appreciate yeah. the opportunity, <laughs> and pray that God will just bless it. Yeah, you, you want to yeah. tie a bow on this? Yeah, Father, we are grateful for uh, just this opportunity to to meet Kathy and to hear her story, and um, and just to be inspired by uh, who you are and what you do. Uh, by using us, Lord, this this idea that we get to partner with our Father in this work is just such a cool thing, Lord. And we thank you for the way that you've used her, uh, that you called her to this this crazy thing. That um, you know, I can't imagine that night when she was in Bend at that at that church hearing this uh, to know where you would take her and what you would do and how you would use her. It's just amazing. So we ask for your blessing upon the entire ministry, the rest of her time here in the states uh, with her family, that that goes well, that uh, her her and her time with her grandson as Connor goes over with her would be uh, amazing that you would work in his life in a just a spectacular way that um, uh, just stuff we can't even imagine would happen as a result of that that time uh, for all these different projects that she mentioned the the needs the finances for the farm and the there's so many things father but um, we just trust you you're you're so good and 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 you have no problem providing um, for the work that you're doing so uh, we thank you Lord we pray that you would um, bless Kathy's spiritual walk that she would just have this this um, kind of renewed energy uh, that, that you would give her 10 more years, maybe 20 more years, Lord, whatever it is that you would have her do. Um, we just uh, are in awe of who you are. And um, thank you, Lord, for, for people who are willing to do stuff like this and, and uh, for the inspiration that it gives us as well. So um, bless this time and, uh, and this work we ask in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, thanks again for joining us, Kathy, and we'll see everybody else next week. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.